You know that 1% of the entire population of Guatemala and Honduras have come to the United States across the border in the last eight months, in the last eight months, each of those countries, one one hundredth of the population of each of those countries, Guatemala and Honduras, have come across the border in eight months. I mean, shocking new border numbers coming up in addition to that. Now, the Judiciary Committee, of course, voted to hold William Barr in contempt. You know, even by Democrat standards, uh, they literally have stooped to a new low. All the details coming up. New details have, have come out about the Trump negotiations with China and the Trump tariff threats. And it turns out that China backtracked and reneged on virtually every major promise that they made to President Trump during the last few months of negotiations. They essentially tore up the deal. So President Trump, you know, several days ago, he threatened new tariffs on all Chinese imports and the markets have been plunging. There's been a lot of volatility, a lot of uncertainty, and the media, of course, went haywire, blaming President Trump and his tariff threats. Trump is such a loose cannon. Well, by the way, people thought it was a negotiating tactic by President Trump to squeeze China. And, you know, I would have been fine with that. But it turns out that this is all China's doing. After months of negotiations, China backed out, as I said, of virtually every commitment. There was this 150-page agreement. And then last week, China sent back to the United States, to the White House, a revised version of this 150-page agreement. Only they had crossed out these huge chunks of the deal. You know, the White House... Uh, finance people looked at this and they were just totally shocked that, you know, months of negotiations essentially down the drain have to start from scratch and start over. So, you know, it seems the Chinese got the impression that President Trump would cave into their demands, that they could take advantage. I guess they figured that with an election coming up, Trump didn't want to have egg on his face. You know, he wouldn't want to threaten uh, China with tariffs and escalate the trade war. He'd be too nervous about that. So they thought that, you know, they would have the leverage. And they, of course, severely underestimated President Trump, as has happened so often in the past. So essentially, the Chinese have made commitments to Trump that they would change their laws over intellectual property and trade secrets, competition policy, currency manipulation, and more. These are all tactics that China uses to get ahead and beat us at trade. They've used every dirty tactic in the book, and Obama just allowed China to treat us like a doormat for his entire presidency. So Trump had no choice but to threaten these tariffs. This is not a negotiating tactic. You know, they, they literally sandbagged him, and now they're back to the negotiating table. Of course, we're going to keep an eye on all of that. Very interesting. Sergeant Michael Bahana, the soldier who was pardoned by President Trump, the other day, you know, when he was first called by the White House to let him know that he had been pardoned, he didn't answer the phone because he thought that it was a telemarketer. He didn't recognize the number. And, uh, you know, he so he just didn't bother to answer because he said, oh, I don't want to be bothered by a telemarketer. Then he got a message saying the White House has pardoned you. President Trump has pardoned you and the White House is trying to get through to you. So he called back the number and he actually spoke with President Trump, who gave him the news. Okay, House Judiciary Committee votes to hold Bill Barr in contempt. Now it's going to go to the entire House floor. This was the first step, the Judiciary Committee. But we know the Democrats are going to hold William Barr in contempt. And they are resorting to some of the slimiest tactics that I've ever seen in politics. If the Iranian government did what the Democrats are doing right now, frankly, I'd be surprised. So I'm going to explain some of the details here. I know a lot of you have questions about what exactly they subpoenaed. But first, let me just say this. Congress cannot arbitrarily decide to just subpoena 
anything they want from the White House and then just hold people in contempt or just subpoena any document from the DOJ. We're talking about tens of millions of potential documents. They could just subpoena, issue subpoenas left and right, and the DOJ says, well, we're not going to comply, and well, well, we'll hold you in contempt, and we'll hold you in contempt too. You know, so the Democrats, they literally are asking for millions of documents. It's not just the Mueller report. They want every shred of evidence that was used in the Mueller investigation. They want to literally go back and rehash everything that Mueller already spent two years with his team of anti-Trumpers. You know, it doesn't work that way. Congress doesn't have this blanket right to just subpoena anything they decide to subpoena, especially when it's clearly for political purposes against their nemesis, their enemy, the man who's destroying their, their, their party and the country, in their opinion, President Trump. And especially when a special counsel just spent two years investigating and did not recommend a single charge against President Trump or anybody in his inner circle. The Democrats are all upset at, at, at William Barr. Well, what did William Barr do? The attorney general, the prosecutor comes to the attorney general and says, I just spent $30 million, looked at one and a half million documents, and I, didn't, I do not recommend a single charge against the president. Well, what, what do you expect the attorney general to do? And now, I, well, Mueller, he didn't give either way on obstruction. Well, he didn't recommend charges on obstruction. So Mueller's supposed to charge Trump with obstruction? You know, the Democrats are seething at Bob Mueller right now. But they can't accuse Bob Mueller of being the president's personal lawyer because Bob Mueller's a man of integrity. He's a man who's in the middle. He's above the fray. He's not a Trump supporter, right? They'll never get away with that. You know, even CNN won't buy into that narrative. Mueller is really secretly just helping protect President Trump. But they could say it about William Barr. So William Barr is the fall guy for them. He gets all this heat. If the prosecutor does not recommend charges, then the attorney general does not indict. It's as simple as that. Okay, so President Trump, he invoked executive privilege. So a lot of you have asked me, well, why did he need to invoke executive privilege? The Mueller report, it's illegal for Barr to give over the entire unredacted version of the Mueller report. There's classified information. There's grand jury information in there. Great question. The answer is that, as I said, Nadler and the Democrats have also issued subpoenas for every bit of evidence. They want to go through it all themselves. Suddenly, the man that they trusted for the last two years, Bob Mueller, they no longer trust him anymore. They need to review it all themselves. I mean, do you know what kind of stuff is in there? Do you know how much they, they could literally spend years using all those things as weapons against President Trump, all those documents? So that's what they're asking for right now. President Trump says, well, no, I invoke executive privilege. You literally cannot reopen this thing. They, 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 you know, they literally they had their chance. They had Bob Mueller. That's it. It is over. So Jerry Nadler says there's no executive privilege here. He says this is just like Nixon. This just like Nixon. Jerry Nadler in his press conference after this vote, he said he invoked Nixon. You know, the Supreme Court ruled that the public had a right to hold the president accountable. Talking about Nixon, they, over, they, they ruled it eight to nothing Supreme Court. It was unanimous to, because the public has a right to hold the president accountable. That overrides executive privilege unless there are military secrets involved. So they released the Nixon tapes. The Nixon tapes were extremely incriminating. President Nixon, you know, there were all sorts of crimes that were committed under his watch that he was aware of. You know, so the comparison here, once again, to President Nixon that Nadler is drawing is an absurd comparison. And let me go through this for a minute. It's so important. The, the Supreme Court ruled that the Nixon tapes had to be released. These were tapes President Nixon had with his top advisors in the White House. He recorded himself. And there was a lot of evidence on those tapes that Nixon was behind the Watergate burglary. 
So the Supreme Court said Nixon has no executive privilege on those tapes. The public has a right to know. So Nadler says, well, Trump can't invoke executive privilege here because the public has a right to know whether Trump committed a crime. Which crime? Collusion? Obstruction? I have no idea. Okay, in the case of Nixon, number one, there was a known crime. There was an actual crime. There is no crime. It's not like there was a crime here. The question is, was President Trump behind it? The Democrats made up the crime in the first place. There was no burglary like there was during the Watergate scandal. Number two, there's no comparison to Nixon. The Nixon case, there was a subpoena approved by a court. This was the special counsel who subpoenaed the Nixon tapes. It wasn't like the special counsel already had investigated and now Congress wanted to look at the tapes as well after the special counsel exonerated Nixon. No, the special counsel, this was a court-approved subpoena. This wasn't just some political stunt done by Congress, done by the president's political enemies. So yeah, in that case, but with Nixon, there was a crime committed. Everybody pretty much knew at that point that Nixon was guilty. They had these tapes and everybody was very aware that the Nixon tapes would have incriminating evidence against Richard Nixon, or at least there was a very strong suspicion. Well, the Supreme Court said you cannot use executive privilege. Uh, How can you compare that to our case where there is no crime whatsoever? Number two, the special counsel spent two years investigating, did not recommend a single charge against President Trump. Now, Congress, they just want to go through it all over again. Why? As a weapon to destroy the president. And it's not even that. They really are just doing this as a weapon to destroy Bill Barr and discredit him. You know, why did this happen so fast? When the Republicans put Eric Holder in contempt, uh, they actually took almost a year. They took more than half a year from the time they subpoenaed the documents. There were all sorts of negotiations that went back and forth. They gave Holder every single chance in the world. The Democrats suddenly 20 days and they're already putting William Barr in contempt. And by the way, in Congress, I mean, nothing moves fast in Washington, D.C. I mean, changing a light bulb there could take six months, but 20 days and amazingly. Meanwhile, they're getting nothing done on the border crisis, nothing done on health care. But this is the big urgent matter. The answer is they need to get this done before the IG report. The inspector general is going to be issuing a report with the FBI corruption, the, the FISA abuse and all the other scandals. Page and Strzok, they need to make sure that Barr is discredited before that happens. I mean, literally, if Congress could issue subpoenas anytime they wanted and they just hold people in contempt, you'd literally see everybody in the White House in contempt. Uh, now, this is even worse, by the way, than making up a crime. As I said, Congress can't just make up suspicions of a crime and then decide to subpoena every single document of the White House. But this is far worse than that. This is not just making up a crime. There were two years of a thorough investigation, $30 million spent. They went through every single aspect of President Trump's personal and professional life. This is the ultimate declaration of innocence. Nadler compares this to Nixon. This is the antithesis of Nixon. Here, they, he literally, Trump, you cannot be exonerated by Bob Mueller and a bunch of anti-Trump prosecutors unless you really, literally did nothing wrong. I mean, if Trump jaywalked, we would know about it. So it's as simple as that. So as I said, what's really happening over here is two subpoenas. Number one, Nadler and the Judiciary Committee subpoenaed the fully unredacted version of the Mueller report, which is illegal for William Barr to share. And number two, they subpoenaed every piece of evidence, all the documentation that Mueller looked through, that Mueller recorded during his two-year, $30 million investigation. It would be absolutely outrageous. Bill Barr would be doing the ultimate disservice to the American people. And by the way, Nadler says, well, I don't know why he's worried about sending classified information. The Judiciary Committee will be very discreet. We won't leak 
the redacted parts of this report. No need to worry about leaks. I mean, is he serious? He says this with a straight face. And the media, they just stand there. He's giving a press conference, and the media just lets him get away with it unchallenged. You don't have to worry about any leaks. Are you kidding me? The moment they get their hands on those redactions, any tiny little negative thing about President Trump, they will be running to leak it. I mean, Nadler, he can't make that phone call fast enough to the New York Times and Washington Post. You know, so a lot of people have questioned, how can Nadler be demanding that Bill Barr uh, do something illegal, which is releasing the redactions in this report? And, you know, he was actually asked that, Nadler, and he says, well, he expects that uh, the attorney general should ask the court to make it legal. There are times when the court will make an exception and allow classified information or grand jury information to be publicized. And he wants Bill Barr to request it. So I'm going to tell you to do something that you consider illegal. Bill Barr, you know, he's a legal scholar. He knows a lot about the law. He considers it illegal, but now it's his job. Well, I've been subpoenaed to do something illegal. So instead of saying, well, too bad, I'm not going to commit a crime, he's supposed to go to the court and ask them to make something that he considers illegal, legal. I mean, it boggles the mind. Okay, I want to spend a moment discussing Makar HaChinuch. We've been advertising their raffle, of course, this wonderful organization. So I've actually gotten to know some of the people who run Makar HaChinuch, and it's really amazing. They take students who cannot fit into a normal classroom setting and they give them the skills and the confidence to succeed and thrive. These are students who are not able to succeed in a mainstream classroom. It could be due to educational issues, behavioral, emotional, social disabilities, you know, a range of issues that could be devastating if they're not dealt with properly. And Makar HaChinuch, they will literally transform these children's lives. They operate almost invisibly as a network of self-contained classrooms strategically positioned in yeshivas and girls' schools in Lakewood. So they help kids develop confidence, self-esteem, the maturity and happiness to be able to live a successful life. So they do remarkable work. And let me just read you a letter from a mother whose daughter was in first grade and the daughter was in constant state of confusion, uncertainty, and hardly able to follow the basic routines of the classroom. This first grader was drowning. She was full of frustration, stress, and anxiety. And her parents, this mother says, they were extremely worried how she would succeed in life. Then they discovered Makar HaChinuch, and the organization helped their daughter blossom. They built her up. They helped her master fundamental skills. And now she has tasted success, and her future is bright. And that's just one of Hundreds and hundreds of stories. So you can enter their raffle by going to makorhachinuch.org forward slash raffle and help this amazing organization continue to do this incredible work giving children the help they desperately need. Okay, as I said, new border numbers. So we have 1% of the entire Guatemala has crossed the border since last September. 1% of the entire Honduras has crossed the border since last September. By this coming September, if it continues, we're on track to hit 2% of each of those countries in one year will have crossed the border. In a few years, we're going to have the entire Guatemala in the United States. Now, in addition to that, uh, this year, 931,000 illegals are projected to be apprehended, which is twice the number, double the number of last year's border crossing apprehensions, illegal apprehensions. 931,000 illegals will be arrested. That's the That's the pace we're on right now by the end of this year. Now, in April alone, just the month of April, 
there was a record, all-time record, 62,000 immigrants came across the border as families in April. Let's see if we can figure out why that is. That shattered the all-time record. That's double the number from three months ago. Three months ago, it was around 30,000. And this past April, 62,000 immigrants came across the border as families. And, you know, they are releasing these people in droves into U.S. communities. You know that how many illegals have been released into the United States this fiscal year into residential communities, just Blend in with the society. 168,000 illegals. In this fiscal year, 168,000 illegals have been released by U.S. agents uh, into U.S. communities all over the country. And 87% of them do not show up for their asylum here. Well, let's go out and find them. They can't find them. They lose track of these people. 87% right now uh, is the number, is the percentage of people uh, released, thanks to catch and release, who are not showing up for their asylum hearing. I mean, but this is not a crisis. There's no crisis. Let's worry about holding Barr in contempt while this massive, massive border crisis is overtaking our country. You know, where's the media calling out the Democrats on that? Well, the New York Times editorial. Okay, President Trump has announced new sanctions on Iran, even tougher sanctions on Iran than we already had. This is in response to Iran saying they are going to back out of commitments and threatening to back out of the Iranian nuclear deal. So President Rouhani of Iran, he says he's running out of patience with President Trump. Rouhani says he's running out of patience. So President Trump, in response to this threat by Iran, rather than backing down, which of course is what the media wants him to do, uh, he's actually imposing new sanctions. And what he's doing is he senses the desperation here on the part of Iran. He says, you know what? Let's squeeze them even tighter. They are, they are, choking. I mean, they are just in such bad shape right now. So let's squeeze them even harder. And the Europeans right now are silent. You know, they're not the Iranians are not even breaking a deal with Trump anymore. Trump pulled out of the deal. The deal is still intact between the Iranians and the Europeans. And yet the Europeans are not saying a word. Uh, and Trump is doing their dirty work for them. Pretty amazing. Okay, there's a new report. I mean, this is outrageous. Being a government worker, as opposed to working for a private company, being a government wor worker is enormously beneficial. Government workers have the highest salaries. Uh, all full-time workers in the United States, government workers by far have the highest salaries. So workers in private industry, their median earnings are $46,800. The average median salary, somebody who works in private industry, forty-seven, about $47,000, $46,800. Government workers, their median earnings are 14% higher, $53,400. Compared to private industry, $46,800. Government workers' median salary is $53,400. And get this, you know how many government employees there are in this country right now? 17.6 million government employees. That, by the way, does not include people who are self-employed, who are contractors, who get contracted by the government. It gets even higher. But government employees, and I guess this means federal, state, and local levels, 17.6 million government employees in the United States right now. And they get better benefits than private industry workers. They get better pensions. They have better hours for the most part, better retirement plans. They get all these perks. Now, here's my issue with this. And look, if you are able to be a government worker and make the money and get the pension and get all the benefits, and not to mention health care, which you're far better off generally, Go for it. As I always say, take advantage. But my issue with this is that government workers, 
do not generate any money. You know, social, if you work for Social Security, the IRS, whether you're a teacher, public school teacher, DMV, you name it. Any government worker, you are not generating any profits. You're not making, so the money that you get paid, that money is coming out of tax dollars. That's a net loss, essentially, when you think about it. And again, uh, that doesn't devalue. You know, some of my very, very close relatives, you know, work for the government, get paid government money. You know, there's a lot of ways, a lot of people in the healthcare field, you know, get paid by Medicaid. So it does not devalue in any way. And I don't, I don't mean to suggest that for a moment. It's an extremely valuable teacher. Nothing could be more valuable than a teacher. But just from a purely financial state standpoint, think about the fact private workers generate money. Law firms, hedge funds, accountants, they're offering a service. Consumers pay for that service. So they're actually generating money. And when they get paid a salary, that's in return for what they're generating. You get paid 50, 60, 70, $80,000. You may be generating for the company that you work for $100,000, $200,000. You know, pretty much. Obviously, every situation is a little bit different. So you're bringing in money. Government workers, they're getting these massive salaries way above the national average, 14% above the national average for private workers, and that money is literally coming from tax dollars. You know, And that's exactly why, by the way, they get paid so much more. See, the government, their salaries are arbitrary. The, the government just inflates these people's salaries because it's monopoly money to them. If you don't need to turn a profit, well, how do you come up? Well, how, should, how much should we pay the postal worker? How much should we pay the IRS worker? Hey, they're not making a profit anyway. In any business, if they figure out that this employee is actually losing the company money, they're taking in more in salary than they're actually generating then they're gone. They're either laid off or they're going to have to, you know, have a reduction in salary. You know, private industry, they pay you based on value. It's as simple as that. Okay. You know, have you noticed that Palestinian babies are frequently in the line of fire, are frequently bought, brought into these battle zones, into dangerous areas where there's fighting and they get injured or killed? You know, this was not just a random freak thing. This happens not infrequently. This happens relatively often that a Palestinian baby or child, uh, innocent people, will somehow be brought into these very, very dangerous areas. Now, don't we know already that the Palestinians use this tactic. They use civilians as human shields. I mean, the, the, the Israelis, several days ago during this conflict, they destroyed an attack tunnel that was dug by Hamas. The attack tunnel was adjoining, was next to a kindergarten. Hamas, they build these attack tunnels next to kindergartens, right in the middle of heavily populated civilian areas, and the reason they do it is to use them as human shield. They basically want to either force Israel to endanger the lives of innocent children, or they want to protect themselves knowing that Israel won't attack these areas. What Israel will do is they'll evacuate the areas first and then attack, but we know that that's their tactic, and then sort of conveniently, these Palestinian babies get killed, and then of course they blame Israel for it, but you know, you really wonder if maybe in the, in the Palestinian mindset, they think to themselves, well, if my child dies, I'll bring them into a war zone, and then it'll be used as a as, as a PR stunt. You know, the, the child gets killed. Suddenly, you know, the media will be all over that blaming Israel, and they're martyring their child. Maybe in their twisted minds, maybe they actually view it as a pod. They're doing their child a service by turning their child into a martyr. You really wonder. Now, and then, of course, Elon Omar tweets that the Israelis kill little children. And you know what's amazing? Then even when the news originally, the AP and others... The New York Times, when they reported that the Israelis are accused by Hamas of killing a 14-month-old baby, you know, they didn't even report the Israeli side of it. The Israelis claim that, no, it was actually done by a misfired rocket or malfunctioned rocket by the Palestinians, by Islamic Jihad. 
They don't report it the first time, you know, despite the fact that it's disputed. They only report Hamas. They take that as truth. Then, when it turns out, when it's confirmed that the Israelis were right, they don't even bother to mention it. Completely outrageous. All right. Um, a caller asked me, you know, if Democrats can see the report, not all of them, but certain Democrats, uh, Bill Barr said they could come to the DOJ, go into a special private room, and actually see the unredacted Mueller report, or at least very, very heavily unredacted. It's like 1% or 2% redacted. Uh, the question is, why do they need Bill Barr to send it to them if they can uh, go into that room and have it? And the answer is very simple. You know, number one, they want it, they claim to want it with no redactions whatsoever, even 1%. Again, the whole thing is just a sham. But number two, they want to have it on record. You know, they want to actually have a copy. They go into that room, they can't take pictures of it. They could take notes, I believe, but then they come out and all they have is their notes. So, you know, it's kind of their word and they don't actually have any official record of it. So they actually want the documentation. At least that's what they claim. Again, this whole thing really is just a tactic, you know, to try to discredit Barr and President Trump. Uh, and the other question, you know, that was asked is, why does President Trump need to invoke executive privilege if it's illegal for William Barr to release these redactions? And I think I may have answered that earlier, but, you know, the answer to that is that they're, in addition to asking for the Mueller report, they're also asking for all sorts of evidence and documentation, everything pretty much that Mueller gathered over these last two years. Uh, okay, that's going to do it on this busy Thursday, and we will see you next time.